If you or someone you know is looking for reliable legal assistance in the Caribbean, look no further than Caribbean Legal Solutions, your ultimate connection to trustworthy attorneys across the Caribbean. So whether you're a Caribbean residing in the U.S., Canada, the U.K., or anywhere else in the world, they connect you with reliable attorneys based in your home country. Their extensive vetting process and network ensure a peace of mind and accountability. Need help with land ownership, estate matters, or maybe even a local referral here in the U.S.? Their team bridges the gap, reducing your workload and providing you with vetted attorneys for virtually any legal matter. Caribbean Legal Solutions is your reliable partner for legal needs, both local and abroad. Visit CaribbeanLegalSolutions.com or call them today. This podcast ad contains general information about Caribbean Legal Solutions and it's not intended as legal advice. Always consult with a qualified attorney for legal advice specific to your situation. You're listening to Carry On Friends, the Caribbean American podcast, episode 90. Welcome to the Carry On Friends podcast, where you'll be inspired and empowered to do amazing things in your personal lives, career, business, and community with your host, Carrie Ann Reed Brown. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Carry On Friends, the Caribbean American podcast. I am really excited for you to listen to this episode. Um, My interview is with Lysandra Rickard. She's the CEO of the Branson Center in Jamaica. And, you know, when I go through um, my interviews with the podcast, there's there's actually a plan, you know, when I when guests are asked to be on the show, you know, there's a topic that I suggest and I have an idea of, you know, what I want to go through, what the interview flow is going to be like. But this interview was totally not the direction I wanted to go and but it was the direction it needed to go in because I needed that. So Lysandra was a messenger for me that morning. And I told her after we recorded, after we had ended the recording, how much that interview was just was just timely for me. I was in this place at a crossroads and she was just feeding into my soul some of the things that I was just like, yes, I thought it was just me. And yes, that's where I am. And yes, thank you for those messages. And you know, when you listen to it, that's not, you may not be there or you may be there. But I think the conversation we had was just very important. Lysandra's, you know, highly qualified. She has such a diverse experience, but she spoke to something that I know that a lot of us can relate to at some point. And I just can't wait for you to listen to this interview. Lysandra, thank you. Thank you for being the messenger for me, you know, during that recording. And as I re-listened to that interview in finalizing it to to go live to the community, it was just like notes after notes. And it was just like, when the word good or when the message good, it just good. So I hope you enjoy listening to it. Here's my interview with Lysandra. Lysandra, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be speaking with you today. Awesome. Awesome. So, Lissandra, tell the community of friends a little bit about who you are, island you're representing, and all that good stuff. Well, I'm representing Jamaica. I'm born and raised, (laughs) and I'm currently the CEO of the Branson Center of Entrepreneurship Caribbean, um, which is an accelerator for entrepreneurs that's based in Kingston. But I also love a lot of, I have a lot of different interests. I'm an avid reader. 
I'm very into Eastern philosophy right now and meditation. Um, so we can talk about any of those things. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So, you know, tell us a little bit. I, um, I will tell the audience a little bit about your story because I know that, you know, you've studied and worked, you know, here in the U.S. before, you know, your role at the Branson Center. So give us a little, just a quick high view of that journey. Sure. Um, so when growing up in Jamaica, I always wanted to do something that would impact the economy and help lift people on a larger scale out of poverty. So all in high school, I was very focused. Well, probably in the later years of high school, I was very focused on I want to do economics. And the University of Chicago came to Campion, that's where I went to high school, and recruited students from Campion. And they were big in economics and still are. And I applied and I got in with a scholarship. So I moved to Chicago when I was 18. Um, very cold, very windy, very yep. much a change from Jamaica. Uh, boy, I mean... When I later went to Boston, I would think back on Chicago years and Boston winters were like summer day compared to Chicago. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that was actually very hard to adjust to. And it's a very challenging program at that school. But it really taught me how to be very analytical in how I think. Um, and so but by the third year, the winters were getting to me. So I took a year abroad in Spain in Seville, Spain, and became fluent in Spanish. And I traveled a lot all over Europe and just really came into my own. And for the first time, I took off that laser focus on grades and achievement and academics and discovered that I was actually more bohemian, <laughs> that I loved roaming around the place, Europe. I went to Rome by myself, traveled on a bus from Paris to Rome, walking around by myself. Um, and I love just the freedom and how philosophical everyone was. And the whole culture in Seville was living, working to live, not living to work. Wow. Um, which was very different from North America, where you're judged on what you do. And in Spain, it wasn't about what you do, but how you are living. Mm -hmm. So I'll just give you a quick example here. I lived with a, an older grandmotherly type of woman. She'd be out until 3 a.m. every night having a cervecita with her friends, a little beer. That was just life there. You know, it's so funny that I think... I've, I've heard similar stories of when people go to Europe and the lifestyle there, which is more, you know, living life itself is to be yes. enjoyed. Whereas over here, we're just, you know, like in the US, it's a constant like, you know, working, grinding, working, grinding, working, grinding, and not really taking the time to take care of yourself exactly. or to live in the moments or enjoy the fruits of the labor, so to speak. Totally. There's music, the whole, just walking down the street, you're walking in history, the architecture, the art, the music, the food. It's just life, you know? Mm -hmm. And that year changed my whole life and my whole perspective. But I came back to Chicago in a very intense pre-PhD economics program 
doing, honors statistics, honors calculus, uh, honors econometrics, you know. Coming back from Spain right back into that was uh, jarring, to say the least. <laughs> I bet. Um, but I stayed on that track. I graduated, um, and then I started working for the author of Freakonomics. Mm. Right, who he wrote the book Freakonomics, um, and doing a lot of academic research. And it was really at that point where everything I learned in Spain, but I wasn't implementing in my life, came to a head. And I said, I don't want to do a PhD in economics. I'm not an academic. I want to live life and mm. enjoy life more and do something that's more in line with who I really am. But I had no clue at that point what that was. And it would take me many years to kind of figure out what that was. You know, what I'm sensing from your story it, so far that's really resonating with me is the ability to incorporate new experiences to kind of reframe what plans we had without those new experiences is like opening the possibility of what else, you know, because yes. a lot of times we go in, right, this is laser focus, this is the plan. And it, it takes going out on a limb for something completely out of our comfort zone. Completely. And to just kind of look at you know, different possibilities. Okay. So you decided you didn't want to have a PhD in economics. And so how did you end up at the Branson Center? Yeah, well, I have to tell you that whole, I mean, I have to go through that journey with you because it's a real awakening um, that took many years. So people think, find your passion, find your passion. But it can take you years to mm -hmm. figure out what that really is. It's not you do a vision board and suddenly you find your passion. It doesn't normally work like that. Thank and you. It, didn't for me. <laughs> it um, hasn't worked like that for me. So I'm glad <laughs> you say that. Um, so he, my mentor, who was the author of Freakonomics, Steve Levitt, he told me, you're a good fit for business school because you have a big personality, you're a people person, you like networking. That means you should go to business school. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't really have another plan. So I took his advice and I applied to business school and I got into Harvard Business School with a great recommendation from him. Um, and again, this was another just birthing of my true self because HBS um, is, and I don't know if this is appropriate to say, but I would say it's less about the academics and more about growing as a person, growing your network, mm -hmm. seeing the world, talking to the people in your class who are going to become the leaders of the world in the next 10 years. And the academics to me was was not as much in focus as it was in my undergrad experience. And it was more about people and life. Mm -hmm. So I traveled again. I went to Dubai. I went to Mexico and Colombia and Abu Dhabi and Egypt and Bahrain. <laughs> um, yep. Yeah, and just learning from my peers who had come from all these different backgrounds. So each class at HBS has 90 students, 90 Hollywood mm. people who are really smart, come from all over the world with lots of different perspectives. And I just learned and grew so much from listening to them talk about their ideas in the classroom. Uh, so after that high of HBS re-entering the real world, 
is very jarring. Mm-hmm. Again, you're at a pinnacle. You feel like you can do anything and take on the world. And I mean, it was just so high. And so you come back to mundane life of mm-hmm. business, like um, an admin, you know, and figuring out what to do next. And it can be a real calm down. And a lot of people go through this depression phase after HBS when they re-enter the real world and it's not an, as amazing as our experience was. Mm-hmm. And I went through that for sure. I think I, w- I would say I was lost for three years after business school. How uh, did you get over that phase? Because I'm, you know, what you said is totally appropriate. I've, you know, college and your college experiences are really building the networks because as you, you see, you know, a lot of, startups and companies they they tap into their peers their alumni so it's really about building the network but I'm curious how did you get through that depression or, or that phase after college where you realize that you know it's it's mundane and you're kind of feeling a little sad or depressed about where you are now yeah um well, I graduated right in the middle of the great recession mm. so it was not a lot of jobs available outside of investment banking or consulting for uh, for international students, which I was. And at that time, I had reached my limit in just achieving for the sake of achieving, and I wanted to live authentically and figure out something that I really enjoyed and loved and could blossom and radiate in and not just feel like I'm doing drudgery. So I didn't want to go into consulting. I didn't want to go into investment banking. So the only place left for me to go was back home to Jamaica to find myself and give myself the freedom to figure out what I really liked. Mm. So I moved back to Jamaica in 2010 and I took three jobs in three years um, because I was like, I'm not going to stay if I don't love it. Mm. <laughs> I'm just going to keep trying until I hit the jackpot of the thing that I love to do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you see your peers being in private equity and launching startups and selling them for $200 million. And you're back in Jamaica, jumping from job to job. And you feel like, did I make the wrong choice? Mm-hmm. Trying to find myself... Um, am I doing the right thing? Maybe I'm just a bad egg in the whole class. And, yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm telling you, you're speaking it. to me right now. I, I <laughs> swear you are speaking to me because it is we we it's, it's that experience and no one talks about it. So I'm glad because, you know, you, you you sit back and you're like, am I doing something wrong? Like which part of the class I wasn't paying attention to? <laughs> Because you all graduate at the same level and then the choices you make determine the outcome of your life after that. So the choices I was making was bringing me closer to my true self. But early on, it felt like I was making choices that made my life stagnant, Mm. whereas my peers were accelerating their lives to the next degree. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was really down on myself about that, but I felt compelled. It was a compulsion to keep trying to find what something I liked to the point where when I left my third job, I was like, well, I don't think I like business period. 
I'm going to move back to Spain, be a waitress, write a book, maybe be a travel blogger and forget this whole business school achievement thing and just run away and be free. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, sounds like a good plan. What interrupted that? Well, exactly at that moment, I got an email in my inbox from Lisa Lake, who was the CEO of the Branson Center, and a friend of mine that I had known, she had gone to Harvard Kennedy School, so she was one of the alumni in the network. And the email was um, advertising for a part-time position, three days a week, to train budding entrepreneurs in business and how to do business better. Three days a week. Mm. Um, not a lot of pay, you know, just something to do. So I was like, well, this sounds interesting. I can do this while I write my book and save up money to get my plane ticket to move back to Spain. (laughs) Yes, yes. It's coming together. This is perfect. (laughs) (laughs) So I took it part time and I just fell in love with my job for the first time. (laughs) Just when I was giving up on the search, I fell in love. Um, the entrepreneurs just inspired me being in a tough economic situation like Jamaica and still entrepreneurship is a belief that the future is going to be better than the present. Mm -hmm. And so being around 20 people who all shared that belief and were giving up nine to five, giving up salary, giving up everything to launch something, it just, it started healing me on my own search. Um, and it went from three days a week to four days a week to three years later. Just in three years after finding the thing that made me glow, mm-hmm. I became CEO. Awesome. Awesome. At 32. It's, it's, it's really, insp- you know, really grounding to hear the story right because on the outside looking in i could have said boy as if me got to harvard business school what when me done this is what's going to happen and for you and for you to share your story which thank you so much to say well that's not always the case you you go on different paths and you know in your story it's like be okay with this different path i mean Yes, you'll have some comparison and you're feeling you question it, but it's through it's pushing through that keeps you to ultimately find figure out or fall into, you know, it seems like you're meandering, but you're really moving towards where you really want it to go. Um, Absolutely. So, so so that thank you so much for sharing that. I can't I can't begin to tell you how God sent you to tell me that story this (laughs) moment. I think the key is to. Hold to the feeling. Really pay attention to how you feel doing different things and keep acting in the direction of things that make you feel good. Mm -hmm. And once you do that, the universe will bring things into your domain and you have to say yes to them Mm -hmm. in order to keep moving up on the path towards feeling good in what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, thank you so much for that, Lysandra. So, um, at Branson, I'm very familiar with Branson Center. Um, I don't, I, I don't want to assume the audience is. So, um, you mentioned that it's an accelerator. So, just talk a little bit about what's happening at the Branson Center in the Caribbean, and you know what what you see in the future for entrepreneurs within not just Jamaica, but I believe the center services other islands. So, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So. An accelerator helps 
entrepreneurs who have, they're not in a startup phase. Um, you've already launched a company, you've gotten some traction, and now you're really ready to expand and take your company to the next level. So that's the place that we play in right now, not the startup phase, but the scale up phase. Mm -hmm. And we took a shift actually, because when we just started, we were in the startup phase, but we shifted because of this belief that economic growth, changing our economies in the Caribbean, making them more dynamic, requires more activity. It requires not just starting small and staying small, but building something that lasts, that grows, that employs people, and that really makes a difference. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So in order to get more transactions, more deals, more IPOs in in our Caribbean economies, we need to give entrepreneurs the tools that maybe they don't have as easy access to these tools as an entrepreneur in North America would. Mm-hmm. So we do mentorship, we do business training, investment readiness training, um, as well as access to funding. So we have a group of partners that are equity investors or even loan, um, they give loans as well. And we introduce our entrepreneurs to them, prepare the entrepreneurs to present to them and also prepare the investors on how to invest in the scale-up stage of entrepreneur and match the two together. So we do the three things, mentorship, training, access to finance, and we have a great brand, Virgin and Richard Branson, backing all of our activities. I So it's very interesting. I, I know... Um, Sir Richard Branson is backing the activities, but I want to back up a little bit, right? So I I know that these are this is for entrepreneurship in the startup phase. And my I guess in the US we have um those entrepreneurs who are kinda still in full time and those who are kind of doing a side hustle thing. Um do, do you find this happening in Jamaica? And then we could get back to those who are doing full time entrepreneurship. Do you find people who are doing both or if they're doing both, they're only in the startup phase and there's not anyone doing both who are in the accelerator phase? That's a really good question. Um, there are there are a lot of people in Jamaica doing both because because our economy doesn't support a lot of risk, mm-hmm. number one. Um, so in order to fund your startup, you have to be working to fund it. You have to work to fund yourself. And this necessarily means a lot of startups that start small and stay small, because my strong belief is that if your attention is divided, um, for a long period of time, something has to give or it restrains your growth ability if you're too divided. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that you have to live. (laughs) And so how do you do both? Um, We had an author at the center who wrote this book called The 10% Entrepreneur. And these are people who start companies while they're in a career. And he put a statistic that, People who start companies while they're already doing something else have a higher success rate than the people who just jump into something full 100 right away. Mm -hmm. However, 
at some point, you have to make a choice to go full hundred in your company in order to give it the best chance for success. And the question that every side hustle person has to ask them is, has to ask themselves is what, at what point do I make that choice? Mm-hmm. So, all right. So for these people, right. And then we'll go to the entrepreneurship because I know that you are sharing your stories with the entrepreneurs, but even still in both cases, like what are some of the mental hurdles you find that are most impacting both groups and what are your thoughts on helping people to kind of get through that? Because, I mean, this wasn't initially part of what I wanted to ask you, but your story resonates with me. And so I'm curious as to how you see that manifesting in those who are doing both the side hustle and the entrepreneurship or those who are just in that entrepreneurship space where the mental aspect plays a huge role. Let's take a quick break. Want to include your property in Jamaica in your U.S. will? Need to close the bank account you opened back home all those years ago? Skip the guesswork and let the Caribbean Legal Solutions team of experienced professionals take care of your legal needs. With Caribbean Legal Solutions, you get the peace of mind that only vetted and accountable legal experts can offer. Learning that you have a legal issue abroad can be stressful. Finding an attorney to help shouldn't be. Visit CaribbeanLegalSolutions.com or call them today to find the dependable legal support you need. This podcast ad contains general information about Caribbean Legal Solutions and is not intended as legal advice. Always consult with a qualified attorney for legal advice specific to your situation. Oh, gosh, it's really about fear and risk. Um, And so the fear is that if you jump full time into your the company that you really want to do, you won't be able to support yourself and you'll have to quickly return to corporate life. Uh, And it's not an unwarranted fear at all. And and it's the question is just how do you de-risk that choice? So the people who have made that leap had to save a lot, start building their company, get enough traction before they make the leap. And even then some of them fail and some of them have to find a part-time job to support. So, I mean, and this is Jamaica, which is, it's very hard to support yourself if you haven't built that traction and that track record before. Mm-hmm. Um, so the question is really contextual and for, I would classify myself huh, as someone in this category. <laughs> Not in a side hustle category because I my time is completely taken up by everything at the Branson Center. But when I think about, okay, what would I do after having this amazing experience at the Branson Center? What would I, where do I go next? You know? Right, right. What's next? Yeah. <laughs> because if you work for Virgin and the vibe and the culture and um, you can't just jump into a traditional corporate structure after that, there's mm-hmm. nothing to do after the Branson Center for a post, a previous employee of the center than to start your own business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like that's just the only thing to do after the Branson Center in my view. <laughs> well, you know, I, I I read a quote somewhere that, you know, 
Sir um, Richard Branson said that you want to treat your employees, you know, the very best that, you know, that they'd want to stay, but, you, you, you know, that you could treat them and develop them in a way that they could go out and do whatever else they want to do, but they'll probably stay. So your this experience is like, wow, what do I do after working at a company that allows you so much creative freedom? And it's like, take that energy and kind of start your own. Right. Um and I would say 80% of our past employees have launched businesses. And actually, one of them called me the other day. They just got funded. Um, two of them are just getting more work than they ever even knew they could as their own startup. So our previous employees are doing as well as entrepreneurs, as or the entrepreneurs that we actually serve. That is, <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. I know a couple of people who've gone through the Branson Center and it's just like, it's a testament to the, the power of the program and, you know, its space within the Caribbean. Now, bef- as we wrap up a little bit, what are, what's your takeaway or what advice would you give to anyone, you know, thinking of going back to graduate school because they they want to figure out they don't like their jobs or what what would you say to an entrepreneur anyone who's listening to this right now who could fall in a variety of scenarios when it comes to life and because I like what you said at the top of your show you were done with achieving for achieving sake Mm -hmm. right I think that was just so powerful what would you say to anyone now in a place of they're in a rut, they don't know what to do next with their lives? What would you say? Oh, it starts with you. It doesn't start with school. So you have to learn who you are. We have an idea of who we are, but that idea is not always the full picture. And in order for you to get out of the rut, you have to go deep not up, but down into yourself in order to understand what you really, what makes you come alive. So I did that in the early days when I just left business school, I did about 15 psychometric tests. (laughs) No, don't laugh because I have a lot. I've done Gallup. I've done Byers-Briggs. I've done a whole bunch. (laughs) So you have to start there. You have to start. So I did Myers-Briggs. I did Strength Finder. I did that too. <laughs> yeah, Predictive Index, which is one that's owned by um, or that's licensed by Virgin. So when I just got my job, they gave me one on Predictive Index. I've done Career Leader. That's the best one. I, um, I love that one too. Yes, <laughs> that one is my favorite. I've, I've spoken about I like I love these it. things. <laughs> I can't believe you did career leader. You're the first person I've met I, outside of myself that has done that one. Listen, I'm, I'm going to find my, my results. I keep my results and I look at them. So I did like a whole bunch. There was like some free ones, like some, gov- I, yeah, I love career leader. The Gallup mm-hmm. one was kind of, was good because it says like, um, I can't remember just a whole bunch of stuff, but yeah. yes, career leader. What else did you do? I'll put these in the show notes. <laughs> Um, the other one, extended disc, which you can do for free on Tony Robbins website. Um, so those are the ones that I can remember off the top of my head. I did a disc one, but that was, I interviewed at the true story. I was doing an interview and the company was using, I think Dave Ramsey has some kind of disc reporting or personality thing. So I did that because the company I was in the last phase. They offered me the role. I didn't take it, but they wanted to do this personality thing to see where I would fit in the company. And I was like, Mm -hmm. huh, 
that was yeah. interesting. But I love this, these personality tests. I yeah. Love, absolutely Me too. Love them. I do every single one that I come across. But DISC, I would say, is second to um, to Carrialito. And I would use the version that Tony Robbins does for free. But you, of course, you have to give up your email to get that one for free. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's the first, that's the very first step. And you can't just do one. You have to get a 360 view of who you are. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that was a big aha moment for me was I have a very high uh, score on my aesthetic environment. I need a beautiful, harmonious environment to do good work. So I was in cubicles, claustrophobic offices. I need windows. I need light. I need tall ceilings. I need um, just a beautiful environment. And the Branson Center is a very beautiful space. So that was one big thing that I didn't even know about myself. Mm. So once you do that, then the next step is to start taking action towards the things that fit the profile you now have of yourself. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't start with school, actually. I would start with uh, a side hustle or um, some kind of volunteering or remote work or three days a week, part-time, up work, Fiverr. You know, just start taking actions to doing a job, some kind of work that fits your profile. And then coming out of that, you've done that for maybe a year or so, then you can make the decision, okay, is the best thing to go to school? Is the best thing to launch a company? Is the best thing to go and work at, at a startup? What's the best thing for me? That's good. That's good advice because it's not enough to take it. It's that these assessments is to act on them and figure out, you know, where you fit and then being iterative. I've tried this. Mm, that's not working. Try something else. But as long as you're kind of refining or moving closer to the things that um, you eventually will discover you'll be better at. So that's really good. I just want to add that your actions. So I think that my I missed my calling as a writer. <laughs> I'm that waiting on I, that book now. I'm going to keep asking <laughs> you what's going on with the book. <laughs> right? So I love books. I love reading. I love writing. And so one of the things I'm doing right now to take actions towards the things that give me energy is a Udemy course on writing and improving your writing style. And I just finished a storytelling course on Acumen Plus, a free one with my team, actually, mm -hmm. where we had to start presenting by telling stories, which was just filled me with so much joy that I signed up with like for like 10 courses after that, all that give me energy. So just a little sidebar that you don't have to go to graduate school to continue your learning mm -hmm. in the direction of the thing that you enjoy. Awesome. That is so awesome. Well, Lissandra, thank you so much for being on the Carry On Friends Caribbean American podcast. Thank you for sharing your journey. And really, you know, this is the interview went completely different than what I in my head thought I it was going to go. And um, just thank you for putting in perspective that or life can only make meaning when we are intentional about finding out more about who we are and not what the what we're supposed to be doing and taking a page, you know, as much as we can from the European playbook or, you know, travel, you know, you know, work to live and not live to work, you know, yeah. just just stands out and 
reminders that I could just calm down and, you know, um, do some self-care. You know, if I don't feel like doing something, I could watch Avengers and eat ice cream and just relax and pick up something. So thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, that's when you get your best ideas, when you turn your mind off. You, I, boy, I tell you, you're speaking to me this morning. <laughs> we could talk for hours about this stuff. Oh, my God. But, all right. So we could talk for hours, but we're going to <laughs> sign off. And um, everyone, again, thanks for listening. And as like I said at the end of the show, and I love to tell everyone, walk good. Okay, friends, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Carry On Friends podcast. For a recap of this episode and other great articles, please visit the blog at www.carryonfriends.com. That's C-A-R-R-Y-O-N-F-R-I-E-N-D-S.com. Thank you for tuning in to Carry On Friends. Before I go, remember, Caribbean Legal Solutions connects you with experienced and vetted attorneys across the Caribbean, ensuring that you or your family or friend find reliable help back home to deal with land issues, wills, and probate matters. Their network spans Jamaica, Trinidad, Guyana, Grenada, Dominica, Barbados, St. Vincent, and more. Visit CaribbeanLegalSolutions.com and give them a call today. This ad contains general information about Caribbean Legal Solutions and is not intended to be legal advice. As always, consult with a qualified attorney for legal advice specific to your situation.